Cole, and welcome to Backcast 66. It's the podcast where we watch every single episode of the 1966 Batman television show and talk about it week to week. My name's Kendall. I'm Scott. Today we're watching Batman episode 17, True or False Face. Originally aired March 9th, 1966. Written by Stephen Candle. Directed by William A. Graham. Today, we got a new guest villain, False Face. As uh, regular listeners know, every time a villain appears for the first time, we go into our history with them. I have no history with this character. Yeah, so it turns out I have read comics with him in it. He has a couple appearances in the Batman 66 books. However, I don't remember his appearance in any of those. So whatever, Uh, he only, previous to this episode, he only ever appeared in one issue of Batman, the comic books from 1958. uh, And it doesn't look like it gets a lot of reprinting. So like, I I don't have any experience with False Face. I actually, going into this episode, I actually thought he might've been invented for the show, but in doing my research, I was like, oh, I guess, yeah, he was in one issue. And then there's been like tiny uh like cameo stuff and like batman the brave and the bold like every once in a while but it's always like comes back to his depiction from this show whereas the the comic book version like never gets any love gotcha does he ever come back in the comics yeah he's in five issues of the books uh issue 7 11 13 23 and 30 uh one of them is as quote-unquote a cameo and then two of them are as clayface oh i don't remember did he turn into clayface in the comics i don't know it's been i haven't read them since they came out so you know that's something we'll eventually touch upon in this show is is the comic books i'll probably reread them then yeah oh wow so so interesting i mean that would be a pretty good origin for clayface 66 Yeah, because that was one of the things I liked about the 66 comics uh, is because, you know, they were made so many years after the 60s is they were able to take a lot of Batman characters and stuff between, you know, 69 and the early 2000s or whenever those books came out and like reimagined them as part of this world, like Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn and stuff and Bane. Yeah. Excited to get to that then. Yeah. If that is the case. But, uh, you know. This is just because I don't know him doesn't mean this can't be an interesting encounter or an interesting character in this uh, television program. I guess because we'll, we'll touch on stuff as we go more, but like, what did you make of Fall Space just as an impression? Kind of hard to like really fall in love with him since you yeah. can't see his face. But barring that, I, I, I'll admit at the top, I enjoyed these two episodes. I didn't dislike these episodes, but I, part of why I, I'm I'm curious to see how my opinion is going to change after this episode and next. But like, I can't decide if I like or dislike this character. He's got elements I think are cool, but I don't feel like they come together. But I'm not sure how much of it's the episode versus the concept of the character. Interesting. Which which we'll get into as we go because i think this story fully cemented a trope i was not expecting going into this series to like be a trope that like i kind of am sick of huh all right so that's my teaser for listening to the rest of the episode you're listening to okay i'm i'm pretty interested 
in yeah. what you have to say. Hopefully others are as well. Yeah. Should we hop right into it then? Yeah, let's see. Let's hop into it. So we open uh, on a sunny day in Gotham, specifically the Gotham City Exhibit Hall, where Princess Bergenberg's crown yeah. is on, on display. But False Face has delivered a note to the exhibit hall saying he'll be crowning himself. Just then, a suspicious duo walk in. Or I guess I should say Chief O'Hara is there at the... Yeah, Chief O'Hara's already there, yeah. Yeah. He's, like, expositing with, like, the museum curator about the crown and all that junk. Yeah. And and false face. Yeah. So, yeah, this is suspicious duo. They roll in. Uh, and it's the princess herself. And she's escorted by a man in a very tall hat. Yeah, uh, not the Mad Hatter, and but he's got a very obvious mask of a person's face on. Yes, a very obvious false yeah. face. Yeah, if you will. No one else notices that, and I wonder if that's like another. You know, we run into this every so often where our DVDs and Blu-rays and high-definition television. Yeah, make it more, make make the details more obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And also, maybe it's just, like, the limitations of the time. Like, in-universe, is that face supposed to look convincing? I assume it is. Yeah, like, that face, like, it seems modular. Because one of the things that, like, happens is, like, it has a beard... And he pulls that off, and then they recognize that it's false face. It does weird little changes, like they can add and take away things from that. Like every scene we see him, he's got some sort of other disguise going on. Yeah, he's got a a lot I mean, of quick change tricks. I mean, I laughed out loud when like he pulled off his like mask beard mask. Yeah, that was because it was really dramatic and like really silly. And before he pulls that fake beard off of his fake face. Uh, the princess goes up to the the chief and the curator saying she got a note. Her note says, all that glitters is gone. Yeah. Uh, which is an obvious subversion of... Uh, all that glitters is gold. Exactly. It, it's signed FF, and they keep referring to him as FF, and I keep thinking Fantastic Four the, the whole episode. Yeah. They, they do refer to him as FF a lot, and that's the shorthand I've used for my notes this, this episode. Yeah. See, I didn't. I just wrote false face in my notes again and again and again. I should have used FF. Hell yeah. But like, again, I call the Fantastic Four that and I've read a lot more of their comics where they are referred to the FF a lot. (laughs) That's where my brain will autocomplete it. Yeah, that's understandable. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, false face does his whole gimmick. He rips his beard off of his mask and it turns into a smoke bomb. Yeah. Kind of crazy technology we're, we're dealing with. He's got a lot of smoke tricks. Yeah. Just kind of like this in general. He's kind of like this uh, version of Batman's Mysterio now that I think about it. Yeah, that's definitely what I got, especially uh, in the, you know, spoiler warning in the second part of this story yeah i didn't think about that till just now but yeah we'll talk about that uh later but i didn't make that connection because it's like 
it's very theatrical like you mentioned quick change like that's a, a stage craft thing yeah yeah a lot of misdirection lots of it uh false face seemingly does nothing yeah and just reveals himself then makes a break for it and just runs away the princess follows him yeah dropping her cape yeah and uh chief o'hara goes to give chase to the, the two of them and the cape inflates like a raft like a, the doorway like a raft uh yeah i got curses foiled by a balloon because they just cannot get past this and like this whole scene so I know we talk about how ineffective the police force is in the city, but to be fair, we don't spend a lot of time with them outside of like Chief O'Hara. And like this confirms he is the worst cop. Oh, me. yeah. Like uh, they just can't get past this. Like you can usually just push it out of the way. Yeah, it's it's smaller than an inflatable bed. Yeah. Uh, it's we'll get into O'Hara more as we go, but like he's very frustrating to me in this story. Oh, he's very incompetent. Yeah. I feel like we see a bunch of incompetent uh, cops this this story. Yeah, this kind of, uh, one thing that's kind of cool is this story kind of involves the police a lot more than usual. Yeah, a, a lot more. The police take the crown, which seemed to have been False Face's target, back to police headquarters. Yeah, they take it in the whole display case they have it. But before that, uh, isn't don't they get in their vehicle and try to chase away? Because then we see it pass behind a building that changes from like a whatever disguise it was to like a bakery disguise. Like, oh gosh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Space hops out of that after the police do and do like clicks his heels up in the air and like that. Then we cut to credits, right? We're not at the opening. Theme. Okay, but yes, yeah, they did give chase. So False Space hops into. What seems to be a police vehicle. Yeah, I thought he stole a police vehicle, but I guess that's what this this is his like chameleon truck or whatever they call it. Yeah. So the police are ch- giving chase, but the truck he's driving manages to go behind a building, causing the police to lose sight of it. And when it comes out the other side, yeah, like you said, it turned into a baking truck. Which, you know, the effect is just they had two vehicles and one was behind the building and just drove out from behind it. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, the police drive right past it because that's not what they're looking for. Yeah. We'll we'll get to that in a moment. I want to I mean, I I like the idea of that. That's kind of cool, like a cool challenge for Batman. Oh, very, very cool. But it goes into the... uh, incompetence of the police yeah that happens they take the crown to police headquarters they go to open the case and they notice that the top is just like plastic wrap yeah it's false it's a false top and the museum curator examines the crown and surprise that's false too so the cops you know they realized they'd been... He, he'd already had it. He'd already had it. And there was nothing they could do. Yeah. Now, they seem familiar with False Space. They mentioned yeah. that they've battled with him before. Yeah, they're just doing the thing where like every villain already exists. And they even seem familiar with his vehicle that can change. Yeah. So it's like kind of frustrating to me that they're just 
Yeah, it, it did it did bother me more than this stuff normally does in this show. Yeah, they're just like blindly, like when they're giving chase, it's like, okay, you lost sight of him. Maybe just take account of your surroundings. And I think of what what bothers me about it is like narratively, there's so many more cool things they can do with someone who can just disappear and blend away like that, that they don't do that they don't capitalize on. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Because I know we mentioned him being like uh like this Batman's Mysterio, but like the whole the whole story, I was thinking more like chameleon, because that's kind of his shtick. But he's definitely a Spider-Man villain. Um which yeah, Spider-Man had to exist in the comics by this point. I, I forget when Amazing Fantasy 15 was. Yeah, and I feel like both chameleon chameleons in Spider-Man issue one, right? Yeah, he's super early. I don't know if Mysterio exists yet. Mysterio's pretty early too. I know he's yeah. Dicko creation. Yeah, I I know almost all of Spider Man's like main rogues gallery you've heard of are like in the first like fifty issues. Like they're all introduced super early, and then just Let's stuck see. around. We have the internet. We can see uh, Mysterio. Spider Cast sixty six. Yeah, Mysterio first appeared in June 1964. Okay, so I guess Spider-Man was was relatively early 60s then. Yeah, pretty well established, it looks like. So the cops, they don't know what to do, so they do what they always do. Alfred is, of course, the one who answers the phone. He goes to get Bruce and Dick, who are just hanging out. I feel like Bruce is reading the newspaper. Yeah, he's studying botany. Yeah, he's 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 trying to identify like photos of trees. Yes, and he is. I mean, for all the cool things he does, yeah, he's able to beat these super criminals. He's like, he's usually the first one to solve the Riddler's riddles, but he is the most unconfident student. It is strange how often that is a thing. Yeah, like he's usually studying something and he's like, oh, I'll never get this. He goes on adventures that involve solving super science like every week. Yeah, just have a little more faith. And he's like, I, he's like, golly, Bruce, I don't understand what an elm tree looks like. And I'm just like, I know what the difference between those trees. I had to learn that in Boy Scouts. Like, and, and I'm not like, a crime fighter. Yeah, the city is counting on you to be. I don't have an atomic piler under my mansion <laughs> like i don't have like the most advanced co- crime ana like in molecular analytical machines like spoiler alert for later in this they have an intergalactic radio we're not even landed on the moon yet in this world <laughs> like <laughs> yeah i noticed the intergalactic radio that's not yeah. this episode that, that's the second half but i wrote it down because it was like do they understand how humongous a, gal- a, a galaxy is? <laughs> I don't like, think they do. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Dick just needs to have a little faith in himself. Batman and Robin race to the Batcave, and now we get our credits. Sorry, I was jumping ahead a little bit. Because in the credits, we get to see, uh, you know, they have this, the spot at the end for the special guest villain. Uh, and it was question mark as false face. And I thought this was a cool uh, stylistic artistic choice uh, is, you know, like nobody knows who false face is. It's like, oh, they keep it hidden from the audience too. Uh, but in doing false face research, 
I found out it was from a budget dispute that the actor, uh, he didn't like what he was getting paid in relation to his female villainess in this. Uh, so he kept his name off the credits initially. Um, but in the last, the ending credits of the second episode, they do reveal that he does get a credit. Uh, he is Malachi Throne, which Malachi is a cool name. Uh, but is I don't know him. From, I don't know him from anything else. Yeah, no one I ever heard of. But yeah, apparently, because of the question mark and how many celebrities were looking to get into this show, like there were rumors going around like, oh, is it Frank Sinatra? Is it Sammy Davis? Yeah, there was a lot of people apparently speculating. But yeah, it's just this person that I've never heard of. Oh, apparently he, he does show his face. Malachi Thorne was shown with no makeup on during the episode when False Face was an imposter armored uh, armored car guard. Ah, oh, so that's him? Yeah, that's him without the mask. Cool. But yeah, so he's only in this one storyline as the character never returned as the False Face mask uh, scared younger viewers, which I kind of get. It's pretty unsettling. I don't See, know if I don't it know. scare me as a kid, but... Yeah, it seems the thing is... um. You know, it's a little off topic, but we were watching uh, Rays of the Lost Ark yesterday. And, like, we're talking about the parts that, because my, my brother and sister went over and she's never seen it and would just put it on to have something on. I was talking about all these parts that, like, scared me as a kid. But, like, because you know you get through it at the end, like, I think because Batman is on the case, it wouldn't have scared me. Because you know Batman's going to take care of it. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah, it's like, you know, you're afraid of monsters, but like if monsters exist, so do these heroes that defeat monsters. So you're yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly like the real Ghostbusters, like the ghosts in it scared me, but the Ghostbusters were there to take care of it. So I didn't, you know, I could get through it. They were there to bust them, you know? Yeah. Bustin made them feel good. No, like the Boogeyman episode gave me like nightmares. It was scary. <laughs> so at police headquarters, Batman is. I, I feel like it's kind of a trope. Batman is clued in on a supervillain and he just gives a whole monologue about their modus operandi. But a cop interrupts and Batman has a, a message. And this old man walks in, mm -hmm. approaches this grown man in a bat costume. and I, I thought this was funny, yeah. Asks, uh, are you Batman, Sonny? I love that uh, Batman's just like, uh, yeah, of course. He's clearly <laughs> Batman. Clearly. Although, to be fair, we have seen uh, quite a few Batman imposters throughout the series. That's true. Yeah. But I don't believe that they would uh, give themselves away like that. Yeah. The message Batman gets is another message from Face. I intend to give money to a helpless little girl. And... As we saw earlier in the episode with the all that glitters is gone message, all of False Face's warnings are... It's like falsehoods. <laughs> so they explain in this scene that like whatever he writes down is the opposite because instead of taking money from a defenseless little girl... Instead of giving, giving money. money. Yeah, he's taking money from a... like They, they eventually figured out it's like the, what, the lad guarded truck thing... Yeah, the lad armored But like, all that glitters is gone is not the opposite of what happened. 
in yeah. that first scene, you know, because like it's just like, oh, I took this thing that glitters and it's gone already. <laughs> that one was true in a way. Like that's why I think I get frustrated with his character because like they're not consistent with his gimmick. Yeah, because they, they really here. make it a big deal here. Yeah, like this is what he does. Like that's what the clue's about. Like they've been consistent. Like the Riddler's riddles lead you to a clue with what he's doing. So like figure like like so solving the brain teaser make is what helps lead to that, which they do here, but it did not help with the first one that we just saw like two minutes ago. It definitely doesn't fit. Uh, but yes, it is the Lad Armored Car Company as they figure out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they also, well, rather Batman also has a suspicion that false face could be closer than they believe. Yeah. Uh, and he approaches the old man and rips the old man's face off. Yep. Uh, luckily for Batman, uh, he's absolutely right. Well, not well, absolutely right. Uh, it is not an old man, but it is Blaze, who uh, is False Face's uh, assistant, he calls her. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the one masquerading as the princess at the exhibit hall. And realizing she's been caught, she jumps out the window. Yeah. And she's, you know, she's like sassy and fun. And I wrote that like Blaze is pretty rad. I, I like her a lot in the beginning. Yeah, she's kind of a badass. <laughs> Instead of falling to her death, False Face has a uh, inflatable landing mat kind of set up for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as she hits it, she waves at Batman and Robin, who are like staring from the commissioner's office window. And they don't try to give chase for whatever reason. I think because with the, they figured out the clue so they know where to go, like where they're going. Because yeah, I think Batman tells them to like dispatch like extra police, or you know, they give they they give the they give the guy uh, the that runs the armored car thing a, a call. To let well, no, out. they they already did that, right? No, I'm confused. No. Yeah, in the next scene, they go to his office. Okay, yeah, I I guess you could use that as a reason. But also, Blaze knows what they have figured out. Yeah. So, I don't know. But, it seems a little... I mean, I assume, she, I assume she was there to give them that message so they would know. Like, why else would they even do that? Well, we'll find out later. Yeah. Or actually, we find out in the next scene. Yeah, that's right, because we cut to the, the hideout, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, False Face reveals that even though they got this crown that could be sold for an easy million. That was only the first step of his plan, but they really need to eliminate Batman and Robin. Yeah, he seems to be the one that's most concerned with killing them. Yeah, which well, is... I guess, I guess not. I guess Mr. Freeze is. Oh, but, yeah. Well, that was his whole deal. Yeah, that was his scheme. Yeah, it was just to get revenge on them. Because it seems like with Riddler and Joker and Penguin, like they want to do other things, but if the opportunity presents itself to kill Batman, they will. I yeah. guess Mad Hatter was his thing was also to get revenge too. There's lots of revengeance happening in the show. So after this, we cut to the lab armored car company. Batman is informing the 
president, manager, whatever, uh, that one of their cars might be in danger. He confirms that there's already a car that's running late. And uh, that car was supposed to head to the Gotham National Bank. Batman and Robin, with this information, they call the commissioner, tells them to send any spare officers they have to the bank, and they head there themselves. When Batman and Robin arrive to the bank, they see the armored car and two guards loading some money into it. Mm -hmm. And everything seems to be normal. But, uh, as we kind of already alluded to, everything is not normal because... Batman knows that licensed security guards would never park in front of a fire hydrant. Yeah, and like, and that was the, the small clue that gave away that one of them is false face. The clue that gave it away to me is the Dutch angles. Ah, so smart. The camera's crooked whenever he's there, even if he's in disguise. Because that's, you know, how this show does to their villains. Oh, wow. I didn't even notice that. Good catch. Yeah. I noticed it because it's like they're trying to play it up like that, but I was like, the cinematic language of this scene is indicating to us that this is crooked dealings. And <laughs> it's crooked. Well, he throws his like bag of cash down and it like blows up into smoke and like he Oh yeah, because the isn't the armored truck like there's a false facade to it? There's a yeah. cab up in it. Yeah. So he gets into the the cab of the truck and it detaches itself from yeah, that first facade. So False Face gets away again. This guy's really good at getting away. Batman and Robin hop in the Batmobile and get give chase. Mm-hmm. Which is cool when, like, the Batmobile gets to get involved with, like, action and stuff. Yeah, which, you know, if that's your thing, this, this story is... Yeah, yeah, it's got a bunch of it. Which is what I was kind of hoping for when they established that uh, False Face has, like, a truck. And like it's gonna be like it's got like gimmicks and schemes and stuff. Yes. An old lady is crossing the road with the help of a a young boy scout. So the Batmobile has to slow down. Yeah. So they don't cream them. But surprise, the old lady is really false face. And yeah, they, and they established one of his crew as a little person, and that was the person that the being the boy scout. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and we get a we get a fight scene. Yeah, it's always nice when you get one of these like pal biff bam ones. Like it's just relatively early in the first episode. Yeah, yeah. And I would say it's probably a little bit more than halfway through it. But yeah, whenever we get one of those scenes in the first half of these stories, it's pretty cool. Because there's been some stories where we didn't get any. It's, it's it's interesting because you're you know when you think about the show like you think that happens every episode but like it happens less than you think at least the first season so far I'm sure it becomes much more prevalent as the show becomes more popular um, in later seasons yeah because as a kid you know the fight scenes were my favorite part oh yeah of course they're the coolest part yeah but as an adult like I like them but like I'm finding a lot of other stuff much more interesting yeah I really don't mind when there isn't one yeah like the characters are really entertaining and like i like when it's it's being kind of silly but yeah um so yeah the fight scene breaks out fight scene breaks out blaze shows up and uh hops in the batmobile and it's pretty unclear what she's doing is she trying to steal it 
Yeah, she just kind of gets in it, and then they like immediately get her out. Yeah, and I was wondering if that would come back into play. Unless I missed something, it doesn't seem to, but if I missed something, please... Uh, yeah, I don't think it comes yeah. back into play, honestly. I can't imagine what the, the scheme was there. But they didn't put on their anti-theft device. They did. She could have got away with it. And like, I was like, oh, snap. Like, I thought that was what was going to happen. Yeah. I thought they were going to turn into <laughs> Batman and Robin as their false faces. Oh, that would have been good. Yeah, which wouldn't be the first time we've seen a lady become Robin in Very this show. Good. First now I think about it like happens. Uh the police show up in the middle of the chaos. Or I guess just as the fight is winding down, they're Yeah, as I think up. Batman and Robin have just have like beaten a couple of his like goons. And as Batman and Robin continue to give chase to Fossface, they leave the scene. But who knows who they're chasing down because as uh, Chief O'Hara is uh, overseeing the arrests out of the police car steps Chief O'Hara. Yeah. And he says, uh, Saints Alive. Yeah. <laughs> and then gets cra- hit with crazy purple knockout gas and is replaced. Yeah. By false-faced Chief O'Hara, which I think is a cool idea for a show. Yeah, for sure. Back at the Batcave, Batman and Robin are analyzing the paper that Fallspace uh, wrote his message on, and they're putting it through these tests. It's like really hard to rip. And it's here that Batman says, I'm a little short on cash. Alfred, could I yeah. borrow a dollar? And I, yeah, I saw that and I was like, really? But he literally needs one do- like a dollar. Yes. Yeah. And I get why he wouldn't have his like a bunch of cash in the the, the utility belt. For sure. I was a little confused at first. I kind of Yeah, I didn't know where he was going with that for a minute. It was weird. I was like, does this bat analyzer like do you have to pay to use it? Yeah, I thought he was gonna put it in the machine, like a like a vending (laughs) machine. I was like, why would you build it like that? (laughs) Um, No, he needs to like analyze he's analyzing a dollar bill versus the paper because he has a suspicion that the same kind of paper that they print money on. And his suspicion is confirmed. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much, not that it's really paper, but they call yeah, it but paper you, here. For, for lack of a better term, calling it paper makes, it's just, it's just shorthand. But yeah. I know, yeah, I know we, we all know money's not actually printed on paper. Yes. Which is, which I think is part of the point of this scene. Because the point is like, if he's getting that stuff, he must be counterfeiting, counterfeiting. Because this is the actual stuff that they make paper on, you know, which makes sense. Counterfeit money. It's a false, you know. Yeah, it uh, feeds into his scheme for sure. Or like his general motif. Knowing this and knowing that the only place he could do this is a banknote printing facility, he and Robin head off. And when they arrive, no one's there. Uh, except for like 10 million signs. There's like a lot of signs like this is the bank noting place, warning, danger, and all these things. Like, oh my god. <laughs> I did not notice them all. I, I don't know how you couldn't notice it. They're in the frame more than Batman and Robin. Amazing. I guess I was writing a note, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my note is so many signs. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I'm, I mean, consistent, you know? 
Yeah, I, I love it. But it just it was really funny because it's supposed to be like Batman was just saying, like, nobody knows, like only a few people outside of the government even know about the secret paper money. And it's just like super labeled all over this building. I did have that when they go in, it looks more like a box factory. There are a lot of boxes, probably to, you know, so they don't have to build. Yeah, they don't have to build a set. But the way the show is like conditioned me when I see a bunch of stuff that's easy to destroy, I'm expecting them to be throwing people through these big walls of boxes. It doesn't happen. I'm very disappointed. Yeah, instead, they hide and they just want to see who's going to come in. Yeah, of course. So we get a gentleman seems to work there. Nothing out of the ordinary. I mean, I would have suspected it was false face, but the camera was straight. So, oh, gosh. Yeah, I wish I was paying attention because I I truly. I was suspicious of everyone. Yeah. This whole entire. Oh, it, I, if I was Batman, I would have been very suspicious of this dude. But again, that's why it might be like fun. Like that's a fun idea for like a Batman character, you know? Yeah, because Batman can't just, especially this Batman. Yeah, you know, you're not just gonna clock everyone. Yeah, like there's no like DNA spectral analyzer or whatever. Sixty six. I think they knew about DNA then. I'm wonder. sure it's it's actually like genetics and stuff's actually a very old thing. So a woman walks in. We know her to be Blaze. Blaze, like, has a bunch of different wigs. She's really cool. Yeah, I really liked her. Yeah. I, if she was real, I'd want to hang out. Blaze asks the the worker for a light, for a cigarette. And the worker obliges, but then catches himself and says, Hey, you're not allowed to smoke in here. It was like, hey, wait, you're not even supposed to be here. I was like... <laughs> It was very strange that he wasn't immediately like, oh, that's this is a super supposed to be super secure place. Here's just some random woman walked up to me. Well, he asks her, like, what department she works in. So I think he realizes that there's a possibility he just might not know who she is. Yeah. She hits him with some knockout dust that she blows out of her cigarette holder. Yeah. That was pretty cool. And then she's ambushed by Batman and Robin. Well, I mean, that's what they were they were waiting for. Yep. Yeah. What? What? And then the goons show up. What do they call them? The counterfeit crew, which I thought was a good name. Wait, do they show? I don't think they do. Do they? they don't they show up at this part? Yeah, because uh, Robin puts the little guy, like hangs him from something. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the the counterfeit crew does show up. Which I like that it's a specific themed crew to this villain. It's not just some sort of vermin gang. That he just kind of slotted himself on top of. Yeah. Th- is this the first time the goons are kind of themed after the... No, Penguin had his fine feathered finks. Oh, yes, the fine feathered finks. But they were barely... Yeah, they were, but they were like named like Sparrow and Owl and stuff. That's I don't remember true. what their names were, but their names were birds. One of them was Hawkeye, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I don't even remember that. I'm terrible with names. I just remember that because it's like, oh, that is an Avenger. Yeah. And then I guess Blaze isn't really like themed to be like false. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. She's just kind of called that. Like her name's got like she's her thing. She's got nothing to do with like fire or anything. Yeah. They did say at one point uh, when she jumped out the window, Batman said she's as a <laughs> she's as elusive as a flickering flame. 
Yeah, that's the only time they do anything fire-related with her. She's a very cool lady. So yeah, the goons show up. There's a short fight scene, which like, wow, another one in the same yeah. episode? Yeah, it's a really short one, though. Yeah. Blaze goes to blow some of the sleep dust powder into Batman's face, but he's ready and just blows it back into her. Yeah, he said he said something like, I have the antidote for that, and just... <laughs> I thought that was really funny. So Blaze is out and yeah, they they arrest her. Yeah, they bring her to uh the commissioner's office for interrogation, but Chief O'Hara's there. And we we as the audience know that's not actually Chief O'Hara. Yeah. So Blaze very quickly just kind of comes around to like Batman, you're truly a good person. And she admires that. I thought this was part of like a ruse. I also did. Because I thought she knew that 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 was false face there. Like, yeah, that this whole episode has had me like, I don't trust anyone. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, she she comes around. Commissioner Gordon says that Chief O'Hara has a toothache. Yeah. And he's not talking a little funny. Yeah. One thing I really did like here is that when Chief O'Hara was speaking, he was kind of keeping his, he was keeping his face like really still. Yeah, like false faces mask because it, yeah. it does, its mouth doesn't move. Yeah, I thought that was cool too. And I was like, man, I really wish that's such a fun idea that like one of Batman's allies is like the bad guy the whole time is maybe like giving him the runaround. Yeah. I think what really wins Blaze over is that Batman is encouraging Commissioner Gordon to not give up on the fact that False Face can be rehabilitated. Yeah, and we've mentioned it. I like that rehabilitation is a big part of this show. Yeah. Because that's not something, especially at the time, it's not something you hear about, like, in regard to, like, criminals and stuff. Like, it was just lock them up and throw away the key. And that's not something they ever really get into in, like, Batman stuff proper. Like, that's what an asylum's supposed to help do. And it never does. They just treat it as another jail. You know, Arkham. Yeah, and, like, they give them activities there, but it's a little silly. It's it's hard for me to continue to stay invested when Batman's just been trying the same thing. Yeah, he's just constantly fighting the Joker again and again, and it's just, like... Yeah, the fact that you lampshade this from like he escaped from Arkham again, like doesn't make it any better. But I, I really appreciate that that's a consistent take in this world. Yes, because this also gives Bruce Wayne something to do because it's what the Wayne Foundation is like. One of the main things that they show that they do. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, they like I, I going really, back really appreciate that. It's not something I would have cared about as a kid, but as an adult, I think it's cool. Yeah, I wonder if we kind of move away from that. I'm sure that we do because that, that might just be a thing that's limited season one, but it's a consistent thing in season one. Yes. So Blaze, after uh, having a change of heart, she's going to take everybody to False Faces Lair. Chief O'Hara lets everybody know he's going to stay behind and round up a task force to help take False Face down. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's something that really makes a lot of sense. And they should have known right then and there that he was, oh, yeah, it was, it was too, too competent. Yeah. Isn't police chief an elected position? 
I guess so, but if you have Batman doing all your work for you. Yeah, but like why would people just do yeah, just this buffoon? Is it because he's Irish and Irish people are cops? Is that likely? Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure commissioner is an appointed position. Yeah, I'm not really sure how it works. But yeah, this scene starts the trope I was alluding to earlier. Part of the trope is like every villain has like a female hench person, which is not something I was really expecting with this show. Going back into it, just because I know they made a big deal about Harley Quinn being a female hench person and then they, she became her own thing. But um, I don't like that, at least seemingly so far in this episode, every single woman regrets it and immediately comes around when they see how handsome Batman is. Yeah. It's in like every story. I, I just thought it was going to be cool if Blaze was just like, I'm a bad guy and I love it. So there's like a couple, that, like Molly. Yeah. She, I don't think, ever had a true change of heart. She didn't have a chance to. Yeah, well, you know, when you jump into an atomic furnace or whatever yeah. thing is, and your atoms get <laughs> dispersed. Yeah. Amongst reality or whatever the hell they said happened to her. Yeah, she basically um, got unmade. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like the Joker had a henchwoman who, like, didn't really care. But more often than not, the 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 female henchmen are... It's, it's just been a consistent thing, and, like, I'm getting kind of sick of it. Yeah, this... I mean, I thought it was kind of interesting in this episode because she had, instead of her heel turn coming at the end of the final fight in the second part of the story, hers comes in the third act of part one. Yeah, but I thought this was part of a scheme especially with how the episode ends. I guess it kind of was part of a scheme at first. Yeah. Um, Because, as we see in this here scene, Blaze leads Batman and Robin to an abandoned subway stop. No, it's not um, abandoned, though. I think the I think they said that the stop was abandoned, but the uh, I guess trails still... Was, were still in use. Okay, I guess that's what it is then. Because um, the, the, the subway still rolls through there. Yes. And, and that's that's a thing that does happen on the subway here in Philadelphia. Occasionally you'll pass a stop that no longer is a stop. Doesn't get stopped at. And you're like, what's going on with that? Yeah. Uh, and it's probably a, a super criminal's hideout. It's here that the dynamic duo really begin to like give Blaze the benefit of the doubt and like let their guard down a little bit. So Blaze asks uh, Batman for a piece of candy. Yeah. To which Batman replies that if Blaze is hungry, a piece of fresh fruit would be a <laughs> lot more healthy. Yeah, I think but that's great. There's only a candy vending machine, not a fresh fruit vending machine. So Batman obliges and leaves Blaze with Robin. Batman's not far away, but Blaze and Robin for... The framing of the scene are alone and blaze gives robin a hug you know thanking him for being such an upstanding gentleman and then hits him with some of that sleep gas yeah out of like a hair clip she had over by the candy machine batman approaches and there's no candy in this machine yeah but there is false face yeah, and his gas. Yeah. Batman and Robin are gassed, and when they come to, 
they are cemented to the train tracks uh, with, I believe it's called uh, quick drying plastic cement. In the real world, it's just uh, like a plastic wrap that you would use to keep your sandwich fresh. Yeah. And yeah, Ballspace, who took the time to change into like a train, like a railway worker's outfit. Mm -hmm. He lets them know that there's a a train coming in five minutes and uh, that they're going to die. Yeah. Blaze here regrets betraying them. And I'm okay with that part of it because it's like, well, I think she doesn't want to kill them. There's a difference between stealing stuff and being a murderer. Yeah. You know, like I can see most regular, not super villain criminals being like, well, I don't necessarily want to kill everyone. Yeah. I mean, just because you're uh, a thief doesn't mean you're a psychopath. Yeah. I mean, some of these people are both, but. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I would put false face in that. False face drags blaze away. So she can't help them. Yeah. And then it's our episode cliffhanger. Yeah. What did you think of this first episode? I was like, this is like, I wasn't, as far as a piece of entertainment goes, I thought it was fine. I wasn't entirely enthralled with like the villains and storyline. I was left kind of hoping it would come together in the second half. Like I wasn't bored, but it was comparatively one of the more boring ones interesting that you think so i feel like things are always happening in this episode does move on a good a good clip but it was like i just i wasn't i was as engaged as i usually am it's it's kind of hard do you believe do you think it's because false face has no face no i'm not i I don't think that's the case i guess the thing is like that's why i didn't have like i couldn't pin down an opinion because like I don't think he's badly acted or portrayed or anything. I think he's got some interesting elements of his plan. But, like, it's not as visually... It doesn't lead itself to, like, interesting, like, television. Do you know what I mean? Like, counterfeiting in general is going to be inherently boring to watch. Not that we even see that. But, you know, at least with, like, Penguin and Joker and stuff, like, umbrellas and, like, crazy stuff is happening. Yeah, I think... Not that they all need to be like that. I don't know. I think if this episode... I don't know what I would cut to add this, but if we had another instance here of False Face, like, kind of getting one over on Batman, like, by dressing up as somebody he knew... Because, like, here here he he impersonates Chief O'Hara, but that doesn't necessarily give him... A win. Yeah, I think if they just set that up and the cliffhanger was, oh, Chief O'Hara and those guys are arresting Batman. Like they, that was part of like part of his scheme. Oh, that would be great. But you know what I mean? Like that's such a cool idea. And then there's just like, oh, I'm going to tie you. It's the class, like the most old school villain thing where they're tied to railroad, tra- railroad tracks. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I don't know. They, false face doesn't get to do anything like interesting with his false face gimmick in this first half so i do disagree with that a little bit i i do think the false face while him physically is not doing anything crazy i think the episode succeeds through him 
of having me question everybody. Yeah, and I think that would be cool. But like, my point is, like, that doesn't lead to anything interesting in this first half. It it doesn't. It does does set up potentially interesting things in the second half. That's why I was thinking my my original thoughts when I was first episode end is like, this has the potential to be pretty cool, but like, I'm not super into it at the moment. I mean, it had cool stuff. Like, we got to see the Batmobile chase stuff. You know, like I obviously I always appreciate when the Batmobile's in it more. Um, I, I I liked it. I thought it's cool that we had two fights in the first episode. Yeah, I, I I don't think it was bad. It just I that's why I didn't have a I can't I can't decide if I like False Face or not yet. I I kind of like him. Okay, I was hoping through our discussion I could crystallize my thoughts a little bit more. Yeah, well maybe next episode you'll be able to. Yeah. I, I and I mean I'm glad this is his only television appearance because I don't know I don't have faith that they could do it. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of like he, there's just it's it reminds me kind of like the Borg where there's like a really interesting idea but once you start once you do that like you're just going to get diminishing returns as you explore it more because you can't be you can't do that story good as good the second time around. Yeah, definitely. Does that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like someone like the Joker like there's a it leads itself to a million like Joker like jokes or entertainment or like clown related things. The Riddler, you can always come up with more like weird schemes and riddles. Like the Penguin, there's a million bird-related things you can do. You know, so like those villains are a little bit more versatile in what you can, and and have a little bit more outlandish personality. So it's fun to see them clash in different ways. Yeah, and you know. if what you're saying about the the comic where False Face becomes. So the story in the, the comic where he comes from, again, has a cool premise that they don't utilize. Like in the, so the idea is that like he studies rich people, impersonates them, gets them delayed for a little bit, becomes them, and then like robs them. And I thought that would be really cool if like he doesn't become Bruce Wayne in the comic. Do you know what I mean? Like that would have been cool. In yeah, that, that story, well, yeah, he just he just impersonates another guy and Batman foils him. Yeah. And then never shows up in the comics again. Uh, as far as the 66 comics, like, yeah. if what you were saying about him becoming... Yeah, like, if he becomes... If, I, I, yeah, that, that could be really neat. Yeah, and I, and I do think... But I do think that is kind of evident. Yeah, he has to become another Batman villain to become interesting. Yeah, of, yeah, how... Because, like, it's pretty much just almost one trick. Like... yeah. And I feel similar about the chameleon. Yeah, I don't think the chameleon's super interesting, but he usually serves as like a smaller part of a larger story, as like you know, as like an espionage guy. Yeah, like usually it's like, oh, it's the chameleon. Like that means. uh, I feel like he's been in some like silver sable stories, and yeah, usually gets involved with like the international stories, and then like other things are happening too. Yeah, and. Is it he's like what cousins with Craven or something? Yeah, because they're both Russian, so they have to be related. Yeah, I kind of hate that a lot. But I hate that too. I feel like because of that, they show up together kind of often. Yeah. Here, the rhino's also Russian sometimes. Why isn't he also cousins with them? That's just going too far. Yeah, it's a bridge too far. How come Black Widow's not their mom? 
Is Rhino a Steve Ditko character? I don't think so. Steve Ditko wasn't on the book super duper long. No. I know he and Stanley had a lot of big clashes about the direction of the series. And like, I think Stanley was right in the directions they wanted to go. I'm probably controversial opinion, but like, I'm not a huge Steve Ditko fan as like a person. I like Ditko's stuff. I think his art's okay. Like I'm not. I I he gets a lot of gets credit with Spider Man and Doctor Strange and stuff. I'm not going to take that away from him. Oh well, I his Doctor Strange art I think is amazing. Yeah. Um, his Spider Man less so, and I just I I believe that the Spider Man books are like pretty messy. Yeah. Like storytelling wise, even. Yeah, I, um, I think that I think Amazing Spider-Man, this comic, becomes the the series we know and love when when Ditko leaves and Romita Senior comes on. Yeah, for sure. And then that's when that book's firing on all cylinders for years. I really like kind of how weird Peter Parker is um, in those Ditko stories. You know, um, we should we should probably just do an episode on this on the '60s Spider-Man comics. Because we I, both I have, we both we both have read them. It's contemporary with the show, and like, I know we both have like a strong fondness, obviously, for that era of Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely like to do that. Yeah, yeah, maybe we'll do that. We'll yeah, save we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll save, save Spider-Cast for for another day. Um, because um, yeah, I know I know the plan is eventually like to mix it up every once in a while. We're going to do stuff related to Batman '66, but you know, because we'll eventually run out of material to talk about in terms of this, but. That yeah, said, I also think it's fun to just take a break every yeah. now and then. And see see how things interact with each other. Cause like, yeah, we're talking about these books. Like they are contemporaries of the time. And this character is similar. I I don't think False Face was ripping off Chameleon or Mysterio or in any way. Being like a disguised person is an old trope. Yeah, especially in like these adventure stories. Yeah, it's just we're most familiar with superheroes and Batman and Spider-Man are, are my two favorites. So your brain kind of connects them together in certain ways. Yeah, you know? definitely. But yeah. Um, tune in next week, everyone to see uh, if Batman and Robin die. Uh, <laughs> I think we say that at the end of every first half. Well, you never know what's going to happen next. That's true. Uh, so we'll catch you here. Same backcast time, same backcast channel.